Welcome to the Future of Retail podcast. I'm your humble host, Arif, and I'm here today at Carrefour, Maisem City Center, with the Chief Executive Officer of Majid Al-Futaim Retail, Mr. Hani Wastes. One late night, we couldn't sleep, so we went on a shopping spree. We asked our partners and our peers about the future of retail and what it could be. Happy morning. Happy morning, Hani. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for hosting us in this uh, lovely uh, supermarket. First time uh, we visit uh, this branch, but as always, Carrefour is always innovating. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to get your perspective uh, on our podcast today. But before we start, uh, usually in any other interview or podcast, you have the host introducing the guest. In our case, we'd like you to introduce yourself in TikTok style. So when you sign into our platform, we give you 80 characters to work with. So how does Hany Waste introduce himself with 80 characters? All right, that's going to be very difficult. Let's put subtitle, a family man, uh, leaders, retailer, motivator, uh, you know, growth making, and more importantly, humble. Amazing. Did you make it? Good. So the Chris saying you made it. So thanks for that. So, honey, before we delve into the future of retail and all the innovations you're doing at Carrefour, we'd love to know you a bit more as a person. Sure. So, if it'd be okay to play a little game with us, we're going to put a timer, 60 seconds. And the idea is we're going to go through a series of rapid-fire questions. That's Standard. very harsh. It's a bit hard, not harsh, but <laughs> we'll do our best. Both. All right, ready. Okay. So, what's the first aisle you visit when you're at Carrefour? Fresh food. If you were not the Majid Al-Futaim retail CEO, you would have been... Pilot. What's an industry buzzword you cannot hear anymore? Agile. What's one buzzword you're guilty of? Agility. If you could time travel, which year would you first visit? Back in the 50s, one day the grocery retail was born. What's your go-to snack between meetings? Uh, Carrefour snack bars. Early bird or night out? Early bird. Homemade food or delivery? Uh, homemade. If Carrefour shopping carts could talk, what would they say? Please save me, I need more stuff in. Can I convince you to make a TikTok together? Absolutely, if the content is relevant. It will be. Are we 60 seconds? Okay, awesome. Thank you, Henry. Great. So, thank you so much for playing the game with us. Uh, now we'd love to talk a bit more about the future of retail. I would like to give you a bit of background about why we started this podcast. So, um, our industry is an industry of many buzzwords. There are a lot of great things in it, but there's also a lot of buzzwords. So last year, we decided to get the real perspective from CEOs and C-level uh, stakeholders such as yourself to understand what's a buzzword and what's the reality when it comes to innovation. Yeah. And we found very different teams. We've met CEOs from different companies. Different teams came out like sustainability, like uh, experiences, etc. But the common denominator to all the episodes we've done was one, and it was the customer. So it all went back to customer centricity. So the idea was... How do we meet with uh, CEOs and have conversations that shed some light about what are some initiatives you are doing uh, to solve for customer pain points through innovation? And one of the things that we were most inspired by recently was when we had the chance to watch you. You were at the Chief Future Officer Forum, and you've spoken about the transition from business intelligence to extended intelligence to artificial intelligence. But I love that you spoke about how it wasn't doing AI for the sake of AI, but you were leveraging AI for the sake of your customer. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Great, thank you for that. It's actually uh, one of the most exciting, uh, you know, topic for me. It's all about customers and all about driving innovation for the sake of enhancing our customer experience and take it always to the next level. This is what uh, you know. I'm always promoting in terms of the use of technology, but also you know all and each and every innovation we do in our stores or online. For instance, you know, we started to move into AI since a couple of years now. And the reason why we're doing that is really to, to take the customer experience to the next level. If we take uh, an example of, you know, the, uh, for instance, the, the assortment uh, uh, that where we use AI to reconstruct our assortment, taking into consideration, you know, the customer base that we have around each of our stores, and you know the beauty of it, in Dubai you have to deal with more than 190 nationalities. Yeah. So the best AI around world could not fit, you know, uh, or be off the shelf solution for math retail in the region. Yeah. We had to tweak it and make sure that, you know, it's fit for purpose 
for Carrefour in the Middle East, in Dubai specifically. For instance, here in this store, in Maizem, we decreased the assortment by 25%. And the results, customers told us, wow, you have more assortment. Oh, the store looks much better, much nicer. And guess what? The sales increased by 3%. And we have not done that to reduce the stock or etc. etc. We have done that really to give the customers the choice to choose better and have their products faster and easier. So even if it sounds counterintuitive, absolutely but less is more. I mean, this is one great point here because my team have had a lot of challenges to accept to reduce the assortment because they thought if they reduce the assortment, the sales is going to go down. Yeah. And in reality, we measure that through our MPS. And MPS in this store specifically is at the best across uh, our stores in Dubai or in the UAE. It's at 53. So our customers are telling us, thank you. They feel the change. They like it. And they do purchase more because it shows also in our sales. So we, you know, we measure the customer first and then the return on investment of this uh, initiative. The other great initiative around the utilization of AI is the what we call the unmanned store or the simply checkout store. This is where we utilize AI in order for us to deliver unparalleled customer experience by using the it's, best technology. the iFly partnership you Exactly. This is where also, the, you, you know, where Majlul Fotem is always, you know, stepping to uh, motivate, you know, the startups company and, you know, adopt the use of new technology. So iFly uh, have chosen us to partner with us in the Middle East, uh, you know, to promote the Carrefour City Plus. It's a state of the art. It's a store where you can go do the entire shopping without the need to have any, you know, uh, stop at the end, no checkout. Uh, it's it, is, uh, it is in one of the Emirates. Uh, yes, it is a uh, you know, very nice store. I really advise you to go and visit and enjoy the experience. Need to visit the store? Like so, all what you need uh, is your phone, even, uh, and with Carrefour app installed in it. And definitely, I'm presuming that you have it Good. because you buy from yeah. Carrefour online. But even non-loyal customers, you know, the tourists can enjoy this service by using their credit card. And this is a fe feature that we recently added. Now, the beauty about this store, it's a computer vision driven technology. So it follows every customer by recognizing the mass of the body of the customers. We don't store any data of our customers. You know, confidentiality is very, absolutely. And this is very, very important. And the surprise is that some customers, they told us, what do we do? So they left the store but they still waited outside the store to understand, okay, what happened? And, you know, it's so fictionless in a way that customer couldn't believe it. I could, because as a shopper, sometimes you're not used to it. So you feel guilty that you're so walking you, that you, thing. You, but actually, customers told us the feeling is like a thief. <laughs> we said, no, it's not. It's just, you know, fictionless experience. Yeah. And this is what you've been told us, that we need something, you know, easy, fast, and quick. Yeah. And we listen to you. You spoke about customers uh, like not being used to the idea yet. So, and our understanding, this is still a pilot, correct? You still consider it a pilot? Absolutely. Is the plan to scale this in the future? So there are different plans for this store. The store is standalone. You know, it's. I don't think it's gonna be. You know, a lot of them in the future because the store is too small. It's like you know, it's a, it's a city plus concept. The idea is that once we learn and the machine learning, you know, get to know better the habits of the customers, the utilization of this, uh, you know, technology, we may embed it yeah. within a big, much bigger store in the future. And probably if there is a section for us to talk about the store of the future and what the future could, you know, uh, lies for us, probably we can talk about definitely. that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely we can. But before that, I just want to circle back to one point you were making, because you mentioned that you've been using AI to create like data decisions uh, that based like in our past, we used to base them on intuition and on historical performance or historical data. Today you're leveraging AI for Absolutely. that. So you've mentioned the assortment optimization. Can you talk me more about also another customer pain point you've solved, which is queuing. Uh, so I understand that that is something that you've recently leveraged AI for. Absolutely. So queuing used to be an issue at most of Carrefour, you know, checkouts because, you know, our customers love Carrefour and they love to shop. And sometimes, you know, we may have this bottleneck where customers had to queue for more than one minute. Yeah. What we have used is that we give our data analytics team this case study and we told them to analyze it and find us a way to make sure that we follow the customer trends throughout the day. And, you know, it's very difficult because customers may pop up suddenly and shop in your store. Yeah. And the result is that 
we have now an AI that, that is helping us to make sure that we have enough cashiers at the peak times where customers don't have to queue. So we cut the queue times literally by 50%. Imagine your net promoter scoring. And our MPS went over the roof. In certain stores, our MPS went to 70 at the checkout because customers felt it. So this is the beauty of where you, you can use AI or technology for the sake of enhancing customer ex experience, not for the sake of just innovating. Now, I'll give you another example. We, we have utilized AI in the search. For instance, when you go to Carrefour app now, AI can help you from your recent searches or can help you quickly to go to an item that you are searching for that pop-ups first versus any other items that used to pop up in the past. Okay. More often, actually, through AI, we have enhanced our uh, stock availability online uh, to more than 95, sometimes 98%, and have helped us also to uh, enhance the routing. When we deliver to our customers now, we can commit to 98% delivery on time, which is a very, very high standard compared to the global or regional benchmark. Amazing. So there are no buzzwords. It's using technology to solve for customer pain. Absolutely. 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 So, honey. From that, I'd segue into something which is uh, very close to our hearts. So as a platform, as TikTok, we're there to inspire creativity and bring joy. Our mission that every time you use TikTok, we leave you with a smile on your face. Recently, we ran a study with Ipsos where we found out that TikTok was the only platform of its kind where uh, users left with their mood uplifted. And the mood uplift was 2.6 times more uh, than the general average of other platforms. So in a nutshell, our aim is to make you smile. Now, I understand that Carrefour has also been working with using that smile, but in a new context. Absolutely. Can you tell me about this initiative? That's great. In fact, I have to say that every time I used TikTok, I was extremely happy and uh, smiling. Uh, so, from, Can you pay with that smile? Uh, we can, definitely. And uh, that's why we use the pay, you know, services uh, TikTok. Now, with the smile, uh, we have partnered with a startup company called PopID from the U.S., where we brought to the region as being first as usual, you know, a very, very nice way of checking out of the store or paying simply by smiling to the camera. Okay. Once you smile, you know, your facial recognition is recognized in the system and you can just simply leave the store. So the idea is that if you still want to do your shopping in traditional way using the cards, physical cards, not the digital as the City Plus, you can still use it. And once you are at the checkout, you smile to the camera, and here you are, bait and leave. And now I'll give you an example that one of our customers came to the store, and he was coming from Kite Beach, and he wanted, he was thirsty, and he wanted to buy the Carrefour juices. Okay. Now it happens, one, it happened what, when he was in the store, his uh, mobile battery died. Uh, ran out, died. And he was so much dying to get his juices, and he wanted to try the face pay because he pre-registered himself. He did try it, and he was the most happier customer on earth because this, you know, technology have helped him to get the product at a very, very seamless way. That's amazing. That's amazing. And the nice thing about it, which uh, sometimes people wouldn't recognize if they're not in the industry, is yes, you are solving for customer pain points. So yes, there will be these instances where people feel it's much more convenient to pay with their smile but you're also improving upon your own business because I imagine that this takes much less time to pay than a regular credit card transaction. Is that correct? Absolutely. So a regular uh, credit card transaction takes up to 20, 20 seconds while with face pay is maximum five seconds. Okay. So there is 15 so seconds of optimization multiplied by 770,000 uh, transactions or customers that we serve every day. Yeah. Imagine the optimization in time but also in customer experience, you know, if they, all of them at a time use this technology in the future. So, so it's good for business and it's good for the consumer. It's good for the full ecosystem. I just want to make sure that like, because the team and I are all here, we're not going to go around smiling without setting it up first. So Absolutely. it's not that you're just going to pay with your smile. You have to do the just set up in the background for it to actually work. But it takes less than a minute for you to set up this service on your phone. It's very easy, very convenient. We need to set it up because it's part of the regulation and yeah. the consent of our customers. Yeah. And I promise you, not everyone smiles in our store get you know paid automatically for others. <laughs> but you have to be in front of the camera, consciously doing your you know transaction and then smiling and deep. Amazing. So, uh, so you've mentioned two partnerships uh, you've done here. You mentioned Pop ID, 
uh, for the FacePay initiative. You've mentioned the partnership with iFi for those uh, store of the future or the unmanned store, right. the City Plus and Mall of the Emirates. And these are very exciting because they're customer-facing applications of artificial Correct. intelligence. But equally important is the back-end application Absolutely. of AI. Absolutely. So you've been recently talking about how you use AI to automate and robotize fulfillment centers. Correct. How has been the experience there in terms of driving these partnerships in the background? Correct. You know, grocery retail is not a very difficult business. You need to make sure that you have a great supply chain. You need to have, you know, stocks available for our customers all times. And you need to have, you know, choice for the customers. But it has to start all from the back end, the supply chain. Because if you don't have the right supply chain, then everything else will collapse, you know, even if you have the best look and feel of the store, et cetera, et cetera. So what we've done is that we invested heavily in the uh, back end of the stores with the micro-fulfillment centers or the automated fulfillment centers. Uh, these are state-of-the-art technology, you know, not only in terms of technology, but the utilization of robotics inside uh, those uh, micro-fulfillment centers. We partnered with uh, Knapp from the USA again. Okay. Uh, and then we were the first to bring in those uh, fulfillment centers here in the UAE and in Saudi to optimize the way we do our online orders. It has helped us and helped our customers to have more availability. So the availability increased drastically to more than 90, 95% uh, in those uh, fulfillment centers. It has helped us actually to uh, pick up an orders totally in five minutes versus you know 15 and 20 minutes in the past and the orders picked from the micro-fulfillment centers itself, it's picked in 1.6 minutes. Wow. The beauty of it is that we are able also uh, to pick up uh, a grocery, but also uh, frozen uh, goods from this micro-fulfillment centers. And it has robotics that actually sorts the products for the customers. So there is absolutely zero error when it comes to customer delivery. So, so customers faster, but more accurate. Absolutely. So customers may not see it, but they may understand that the accuracy is 100% because yep. robotics are, you know, segregating the deliveries to be shipped to uh, our customers. So, Hani, you have given us very salient examples about the application of artificial intelligence and how you're solving customer pain points. I want to talk a little bit about your leadership, at, which has enabled the delivery of this. I understand that the digital transformation journey is a long one and a tough one. It's one that you started back in 2017. Correct. Can you tell us a bit more about how has that experience been and what are the biggest challenges you've faced along the way? It's a great question. Actually, I think I have learned in the last five, six years more what I have learned over the last 25 years because of this, this digital transformation from all aspects. Because back in 2017, when I went first to my board and told them that I'm going to invest in a sizable amount of money of and taking out of the capex of the coming five years, they were all shocked of the amount that we're gonna invest, you know, in the future. But we got hold of them approving this investment for the future, which is very, very many. But at that time, I did not expect, you know, the challenges that I would have faced, you know, moving a brick and mortar organization into an omni-channel organization. And now I can easily talk about omni-channel. In the past, it was probably one of uh, buzzwords that yeah. people have used. Uh, we started actually channels like online and offline, two separated channels. Uh, it was extremely difficult to convince our colleagues in the store to promote for the online business. And you have 38,000 colleagues, We have right? 38,000 colleagues. Huge organization. Huge organization. They were all skeptical about the future of the online business. We were all thinking that online is going to be the new competitors for their stores. And they were all fighting it back. Okay. So this was the most challenged part of the digital transformation journey, much more than, you know, the digital itself, the technology, the, you it's know, the mindset. This is the mindset. And across many markets. 15. And this is exactly, we operate in 15 markets and it was so hard, you know, to convey the message. That's why at the beginning of this digital, digital sorry, uh, transformation, I used to spend 70% of my time, really talking to my, te to my team, talking to the people about how important it is for us to invest for the future. Yeah. Now, some of the uh, you know great colleagues have you know really adopted that quickly, and they understood the message. Some of them 
you know, uh, took some time to understand, uh, to believe in it. And I think today when we look at the omnichannel customer, uh, where we get the most, you know, value out of them, everyone is saying, you know, this is the best investment that we have ever done in the history of the organization. Yeah. You know, today, uh, for instance, the online business represent more or less around 10% for uh, for them retail across the 15 countries. Yeah. If you compare it, you know, to the region, uh, to the traditional brick and mortar organizations, we are by far ahead of the rest of the competitors. Yeah. If you compare it to Europe, we are at the same level of the most you know, advanced and uh, grocery retailers in the Europe. And we are not very far from the biggest in the world, i.e. Walmart. We are just, you know, a couple of points below Walmart to be at the level of the global uh, retailers in the world. Absolutely. Actually, I was uh, reading a report by our friends and uh, partners at Redseer uh, recently, and they published something about Saudi specifically. And they spoke about like the e-grocery space in general. So within e-grocery, you have three kind of different business models. You have the marketplaces, which right. we, we all know. You have the hyperlocals, which are like more focused on quick commerce. And then you have Omnichan. Color. And they were t- talking about how Carrefour specifically has become the leader, but not only the leader, by by huge margin at 50% market share within the omni-channel segment within e-grocery within Saudi. Absolutely. So when you look at that share, it's it's 10 times the share of Carrefour in Saudi of of offline or overall Absolutely. retail, Absolutely. but it accelerated very fast. And this doesn't happen accidentally. Like it's right. obviously coming from an intentional uh, strategy. Absolutely. I think it's all about early adoption. We just spoke about us, you know, starting the digital journey back in 2017. And obviously the two biggest uh, markets for us are UAE and Saudi. Yeah. So we started, you know, uh, our digital transformation, as I said earlier, across all our 15 countries at the same time, but focusing really on UAE, Saudi and Egypt also as the three uh, big, markets. big markets for us. Now, Saudi, it's been a great, great success for us because A, you know, Saudis in general are very much tech savvy. Yeah. The mobile penetration is more than 100% by now, correct? And, you know, we were there for our customers, you know, back since 2020, delivering their needs on time, making sure that when it was very difficult for them to go and get their grocery from the physical uh, stores, Carrefour were there for them to deliver them, you know, all what they need uh, relatively with quite good experience at that time. Not the same experience yeah. as today, but it was part of the learning and part of the journey, I would say. So what we've done is that we continuously invested in our in-store fulfillments, our dark stores, automated fulfillment centers to make sure that we give unparalleled experience to our customers in Saudi. Yeah. Today, unlike what I told you about the UAE, which is close to 10% online penetration of our total uh, sales, in Saudi, it goes up to 15% of our total sales, and it will go even up to 50% of our sales by 2025, beginning of 2026. Very sizable segment. This is very, very sizable segment, and it matches also, you know, the ambition of the Saudi customers where they want to do their stuff online. They also cooperate with uh, store visits. And what we have noticed that, in general, that our only channel customers, they tend to increase their frequency you know, shopping uh, from Carrefour. Yeah. So it goes three to four times per month versus, you know, in the past uh, zero for the people who never shop with us yeah. or, you know, once or twice uh, per month. So it's actually doubling the frequency for the customers who are omnichannel customers. Okay. Henny, this doesn't happen overnight, obviously. And you spoke about the challenge of uh, changing the mindset across such a huge organization. Talk to me more about some of the initiatives you've done to incentivize that mindset change. I've heard you use an acronym recently, OIC. True. What does it stand for? So, in fact, we have uh, our HC uh, team, the human Human capital capital team, uh, decided to come up with an initiative, which is We Care. And we started We Care to say that we care about our employees. So we give them all what they need. We listen to them. And suddenly the WeCare came to me and we said, we have a great initiative for you to launch. And I said, what is this initiative about? They said, it's OIC. It's observe, innovate, and change. And we came to know that the best innovation ever, you know, globally comes from our own employees because they know what are the pain points. They know, you know, how we can, you know, uh, find a solution around it. And sometimes they are extremely innovative, but not probably being heard of. So we created this initiative for them to come up with the best initiative and innovations 
They come once a year to Dubai. We actually rent our biggest IMAX cinema and we bring all the participants in a panel, you know, where they go and they present their ideas and there are, you know, prize around it. Uh, not only, you know, uh, prize and uh, incentive and what have you, but our promise to them and my promise to them is that the top three initiatives are being implemented wow. in Carrefour and being rolled out actually to all our 15 countries, but it makes sense in real life. Like the, so uh, imagine the boat, for example, for instance, the boat is one of them. Imagine that when people saw the boat up and running in the sea and people telling that there is this crazy, you know, grocery company in the Middle East launching the first uh, sales to supermarket in the world you know, with all the sustainability aspects, features, etc., etc. It was coming from our employees. So it's not a marketing stunt. So it's not a marketing for, stunt. For our listeners and viewers who either don't live in Dubai or haven't heard about the boat, can you tell us a bit more what that initiative was? It's a very simple uh, initiative. It is a boat that actually, uh, you know, out in the sea delivers uh, customers who want, wanting to buy from Carrefour, whether they are on their yachts or jet skis, or even if they are beachgoers on the beach, they can use the Carrefour app or the call directly. We have a, a call special WhatsApp number for this boat. Okay. And we have a skiff actually attached to this boat that delivers people who are on the beach. Or if you are on your yacht, you can just uh, sail through, you know, like the drive through. This is sail through. You can stop by, do your shopping, buy whatever you need from all the needs, uh, you know, from a suntan uh, oil to uh, probably, you know, uh, uh, waters to etc 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 and we're happy to deliver them to you at very very reasonable prices versus you know other <laughs> uh, shops around uh, or restaurants on the beach it's probably the only place in the world where it, it is with us right exactly i mean it's all about dubai dubai being you know the ethos of dubai is being innovative is yeah. bringing something new and this is what math continuously uh, been doing now to talk about also incentive what we've done also, we have incentivized our store manager with additional bonus for those who will actually adopt the only channel versus one channel, correct? And uh, so there was a lot of, you know, incentive for our store managers to go after, you know, online and ask for more orders for them and for their team to be incentivized with additional, you know, bonus, yeah. recognition, but also being, you know, awarded for the award of the CEO, which is a very unique award that we do once a year for our best performers, not necessarily in terms of results, but in terms of taking initiatives to the next level. Okay, nice. So observe, innovate, and change. And, change. and if you don't innovate, innovate or, or die. Absolutely. This is a key theme that I keep on repeating in all the panels that I go to. In fact, if we continue to do the business the way that we have done it back in, 50s and 60s, and we expect different results than won't exist in the future. You come obsolete. Uh, you come obsolete. And this is where uh, myself is completely, you know, motivated on a daily basis. I come with a full reset, you know, by thinking, what is next for us? What are we going to do something to disrupt the market? And if you ask me, you know, when you ask me, define, you know, or tell me about you, I suppose you disruptor, innovator. Yes. This is, you know, the two definitions or the two themes that I would like to recognize the company, you know, by is that being ahead of the curve, innovating and bringing something new to our customers. And this is clear, obvious, you know, some other retailers around the world have completely collapsed or they've lost their market shares or they have lost their customer base yep. because they wouldn't really want to engage in new features, innovation, technology, and being, you know, ahead of, yep. you know, the customer trends. And Hani, do you recognize like mistakes along the way? So obviously for, for a brick and mortar to start this digital transformation, it's much more difficult and strenuous than that of a pure player. So has, have there been mistakes along the way that you've, uh, you know, that you'd be comfortable sharing? Absolutely. There were a lot of mistakes and we continue to do mistakes, by the way. Uh, you only learn by doing mistakes. Uh, there is no one perfect. Uh, I think it's harder for us from coming from traditional brick and mortar, yeah. you know, managing only stores to become an omnichannel organization. For instance, our database were skewed towards, you know, certain way of describing products for our physical stores. Yeah. But we're not suiting, you know, our online search specifically. So if a customers want to search a product, there is a way for customers to search it. So we had to reconstruct the entire assortment 
We have more than 100,000 SKUs yeah. where we had to go at that time one by one to change the SKU. Now, currently, we have AI to do that automatically and you know continuously do the uh, cleansing yeah. of our data. Our other mistakes were we over-invested in certain technology and then we couldn't scale up the technology. There are some other uh, mistakes on people. We have made also mistakes where we thought that uh, bringing people from traditional or so, sorry from pure online players would do the transformation of our business and we discovered that it's different culture they couldn't even help the traditional brick and mortar uh, team to convert them into an omnichannel you know organization so it was also a mistake there was a mistake also on how we assess our people but more importantly we had to change the culture because it's all about the culture so we have two floors in our math tower where math retail is, the fourth, uh, the fifth, and the sixth floor. The fifth is a traditional corporate office where people come with a suit, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The sixth is where people come with jeans, uh, you know, uh, uh, very casual, startup, uh, startup thing. The look and feel of the offices are completely different. There's actually no offices, it's all open space, uh, co-working uh, spaces, uh, place for people to co-create together and work with other opcos from other major time company so when you go to the sixth floor i feel myself very old going there sometimes you know but i love it it motivates me a lot and i feel like super energetic by seeing all the young population you know coming up with the solutions for the future but many times ahead of the future really in terms of the pipeline that we have yeah. you know uh that we're gonna talk about it in a while for sure. Tell us a bit more about this pipeline. You mentioned the store of future and the... So the store of the future is one of the things uh, in the pipeline. So imagine that we are now in the bio-carrefour. Imagine this is going to be part of much bigger store, not isolated as a bio-carrefour store. Integrated. But integrated in one full store. Now imagine also that tomorrow you go to a store where, you know, you do your shopping the way you want it. For instance, today we have the Valetroni where you can do your shopping drop your products at the cash counters. We do deliver them to you at any time at your doorstep within, you know, a framework of two hours slot. Tomorrow you can come to a store, do the traditional shopping for people who doesn't want to change or do the just walk out thing in the store, you know, no checkout, nothing, or do the scan and go or do the mobile scan and go or even more than that, you can find yourself, you know, through the uh, AI, uh, straight going to what you have in your uh, sh uh, shopping list, yeah. which is preempted through your app. You know, you see it and virtually uh, you can go and get your products at super, super convenient way because people, you know, in the future will require less and less times, you know, uh, doing their shopping. Now, moreover, the shop of the future, and we started that, by the way, will have less and less physical stores. What we have started with currently is what we call EVS, which is electronic virtual shelves, where every small in Carrefour can have an endless number of assortments without the need of carry them in the store. Okay. So it's a tablet, it is in the store, it's currently being piloted and tested, where every store can have, you know, all the assortments available, especially on the electronics, where we don't have to carry them. Customers will chew them on the tablets, pay on the tablets without the need to go anywhere, and we do delivery to their, to their doorsteps the next day or maximum in two days' time. So what's the role of the store then? Is it like showrooming? Exactly. So this is the most important question. The store of the future will become much more of experiential store. So it's all about the experience. It's all about enjoying while doing your shopping. It's not about, you know, being trying to be rushed to, okay. to go out of the store, but actually enjoy uh, a nice snacks that like the bio uh, cafe that yeah. we have here. So where customers can do their shopping, enjoy new innovation by our chef in the stores, enjoy new recipes, you know, uh, talk to other customers about how they can invent something new, how, learn from customers, but also being, uh, you know, uh, able to create something with Carrefour itself, like a recipe made by our customers. Uh, they can demonstrate it to our customers. And also our uh, great partners, our suppliers will be able to test new products live with our customers in the store. So if you think of the store, personalization, it's all about personalization, experience, innovation, and always something new, always entertaining. Okay. So you are never bored when you come 
and look at four stores in the future. Entertainment resonates very strongly with us as an entertainment platform, and we believe very much in the power of entertainment and how it influences purchase and the customer journey. Um, so basically, the store of the future is about the, the physical store of the future is about the elements that you cannot delegate to the online channels, the things that we still have to do in person as human beings, which are more experiential uh, in nature, where the store is acting for showrooming and creating those human connections. This is 100% understanding. However, I want to say one important word here. I keep on saying to all my 38 great colleagues is that technology is there to help us, to empower us to do better service to our customers, is not to take our you know, jobs. Yes. Because there was at the time this fear of people losing jobs. And in fact, the more we go into technology, the more we feel our people happier doing their job, yeah. more productive, and they feel that, oh my God, we're wasting time. Yeah, yeah. And now we are being more productive. We're able to be in the selling area to talk to our customers, listen to them, get their feedback, and implement it immediately. So the more we embed technology, the more that we create happiness to our employees, but also our customers. So it's a very concern. I, I sometimes worry as well. Like I feel AI can do a much better job hosting this podcast than me. But you know, I don't think we can replace this smile, this interaction with AI. I think it will be very, very difficult, but definitely it will help us to do a better job in the future. For instance, yeah. you could have done all your preparation in you know, one click exactly. you know, versus taking so, some yeah. more time and paper. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of preparation, uh, I, I read uh, recently that uh, after WEF, I believe uh, you were invited by Mickey and you were part of a forum where they shared uh, the retail reset uh, report uh, and I loved it because it's a new playbook for retail leaders. There are obviously multiple themes that come out of it but there were two big takeouts that we took. The first one was about unprecedented disruption and you've spoken a lot about this already and right. they talk about how globally the retail sector has experienced much more disruption in the past five years as it has in the previous 25 years. Absolutely. And the main reason behind this is the emergence of what they're calling the zero consumer. So the zero consumer is a consumer that has zero boundaries between online and offline, that has zero loyalty as well to specific retailers or brands, that has zero patience because they're all about convenience and I need things delivered right. ASAP, but also they value net zero, which is sustainability. Is this only on a global level or have you noticed that MENA consumers in our part of the region have also been conscious about their impact on our world? I think this is where companies like Majid Fatem were early adopter of you know, this uh, embedding the sustainability into our day-to-day -day work. So this is where we announced to be the first net positive by 2040. And we were the first company really to walk the talk, not only talk the talk. And this is where, as I said earlier, probably a few buzzwords that were misused. One of them uh, was the sustainability. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a few examples specific about the retail business where actually we partnered uh, with IBM on the, you know, probably giving traceability and full transparency for our customers. Because we have to say that Gen Z and millennials are the most, you know, caring about uh, how you source your product ethically, in an ethical way, whether you have done the right thing, whether, you know, uh, the packaging is being taken care of, the emission of the CO2, et cetera, et cetera. There are multiple things. But to come back on this initiative, which is, one of, uh, you know, unique in the region because we were the first and we are still the first to implement that with IBM, where all our private brands recently released or produced here in the UAE are having a QR code. Our customers can scan the QR code and get the entire end-to-end -end visibility and traceability on the products. So from where we source, you know, the chicken, what the chicken were fed or the beef, to the slaughterhouse, you know, even the certificate, uh, the way we transport the fresh produce, the temperature that have been, you know, taken and tested and given as an example to our customer, all the way up to shelf, you know, from fork to table of well, what, you know, one of the buzzwords also that being used. And we are extremely, this is extremely unique for Majapotam in the region. And we have seen much more adoption, you know, especially to the young generation when we tell them the story. They like it. They feel this is the right thing for big companies to go ahead and make sure that, you know, they care about that. Now, what we have done also is that, you know, we, we, we were talking about the single use of plastics, it's, you know, probably 10 years, more than 10 years now. But the adoption rate was very, very small. 
And what we have noticed that, you know, uh, in, in, for instance, Saudi and Egypt, less than 20% of our customers are using uh, SGPs. Okay. And for instance, here in the UAE, uh, when uh, the law were issued, we've seen that the utilization or the adoption now goes more than 90, 95% of people, you know, using the sustainable bags or reusable bags. We had these bags for the last 10, 15 years, yeah. but the utilization was very, very little. Now people are more responsible, they care more. Because you've implemented measures. We have implemented measures and it's clear for our customers, they can track it through our financial, uh, by the way, uh, when we release our financial, we talk also about the emission of CO2, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what we have seen also that our customers told us uh, through a research that we have done in Saudi and Egypt, that if the opportunity is given to them with more awareness, they're happy to switch and let go the single-use uh, SUPs, for instance. Okay. So it's not only to provide customers with the products, but also to educate them and increase the awareness. Because in this part of the world, awareness is a key, key issue. Mm-hmm. So you asked me about the global and the region. I think a lot of our customers are ready to convert once they understand and they understand the full impact on you know the, uh, the products that they buy from our stores. For instance, this store is a key testament of what could be hopefully also the store of the future with, uh, you know, the, the, the new cold cabinet. Uh, the for Bio. The Scarfour Bio store, exactly. What is for instance, this Bio. table that we, uh, we see here, it's a reusable crate that we have taken from our uh, regional distribution centers. And also we have not, you know, wasted anything uh, and we have utilized them to create this uh, nice table. Uh, to the sustainability in the electricity, the LED, uh, for instance, uh, lights there is no any uh, normal uh, bulbs etc etc to the refrigeration no more co2 is the new technology that we are using to reduce drastically uh, the use of co2 there is absolutely also a lot of packaging which are made out of sustainable products or reusable products or no plastics like for instance all our pulses here are displayed in a way that customers can bring their own containers and fill in their containers with the pulses that they want so if you think of it this is how also this is part of the soul of the future when we start to reduce plastics. And by the way, we were the first retail grocery in the region to declare the, uh, to eliminate the single use of plastic over the SUP, sorry, yeah. out, out of cash counters, but also a fresh food by 2025. As we speak, currently there are more than seven countries out of 15 countries have eliminated SUPs from the check, uh, checkout counters. And we still have less than, you know, few 14 months for us to go, or a little bit longer, sorry, to yeah. go completely and eliminate SUPs from our uh, checkout counters, our fresh food uh, departments, and moreover, our private brands yeah. will have only sustainable packaging in the future. You've trained us very well. I, I don't go anywhere in my car without having my reusable shopping bag. This was my advice, in like that. Trunk, because exactly. I, I don't want to remember later when I'm at the checkout counter. Today, Carrefour is obviously a global brand, but you're present in all of these different countries uh, in the region. How's your strategy? Is it going global or hyper-local? How do you localize per market or per city maybe? Uh, this is indeed a very nice question because I don't, I don't have one strategy for Majdavotem retail. We have multi-strategies to your point. It's per city even sometimes. Yeah. Because you know our customer uh, or our customers here in Dubai, they have different requirements than our customer in Abu Dhabi or in Sohar in Oman, or in Jeddah, or in Alexandria, uh, or in Lahore, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we make sure that all our standards uh, are all international uh, standards. We don't tolerate at all when it comes to safety, when it comes to hygiene, when it comes to security, we don't at all tolerate. So this is a must, we cannot change. Where we change is the, the assortment offering. We do localize our assortment according to the needs of the customers that we serve in the vicinity of the city we're in. And sometimes even we have different products and different assortments within the city like Dubai. As I said, you are catering for more than 190 nationalities in Dubai and you will need to be super, you know, local per se yeah. to offer the customers what they need according to their wants. And so you partner with different SMEs and different farmers like in fact, SMEs and farmers is a great story and a success story for Majlis Fatem Retail. 
when we started it, actually we were the first to say that we want to increase our collaboration with SMEs. We give them a lot of you know, freedom of bringing their products straight into our shelf without any uh, burden, without any big complications, no corporate things, no uh, you know, uh, buying guarantees, no history. All what we wanted uh, from them is to come and launch their products and be successful with Majlou Tembrida. I'll give you an example, for instance, on the local farming, since you touch uh, on it, is that five years ago, or less than five years ago, the local uh, fruits and vegetables were less than 5% you know, out of our total assortment. Last year, we closed with 15% uh, contribution of the local uh, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables to our entire fruits and vegetables department. And this will increase by the time. In fact, you know, the Ministry of uh, Climate Change and Agriculture here in the UAE are going very aggressively in helping the local suppliers. We partner with them in buying directly from local farms. There are consolidation being going on from many farms in the UAE that they go straight into our distribution center and then fresh to our customers in the store. I can imagine that as you double down on local sourcing, you're also creating a lot of jobs, correct? In fact, local sourcing, it helps to create a lot of jobs. So where Carrefour is very, very successful is we always create an environment of great job opportunities around the Carrefour source. So we do have on average around 350, you know, uh, suppliers per store. Yeah. You know, so imagine how many job opportunities we create uh, on the delivery side from a job people working, uh, you know, for suppliers, but also working in our stores, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, we provide around three to five jobs around every single employee we employed at Majid of Time Retail Cafe. So imagine we have 38,000 employees. You can multiply it between three to five times. This is the impact that we leave on the economy. Amazing, amazing. Recently, uh, when you were at WEF, uh, you spoke also about the Edelman Trust Barometer and how globally the institution of business is the most trusted uh, uh, by, by consumers. So it tends to put a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of CEOs such as yourself. So it, as you speak about creating local uh, jobs, this is only going to continue to be pertinent and important uh, for, for your business. In fact, this is true, and it's very, very challenging at the same time, because every year when I go to WAF, the first thing I do is I really uh, impatiently look for the admin, uh, you know, trust barometer for me to get to know how the companies, you know, are being ranked and how they are perceived by their customers worldwide, etc. And last year, or this year, actually, beginning of this year, uh, there was a shift from government to private sectors, which is actually great, but it put more and more pressure on CEOs companies to behave differently, to really act in a different way, to increase the trust. When we spoke about, you know, private brands and the traffic lights, this is one big element of trust. Yeah. Uh, when we deliver uh, a full end-to-end, -end, you know, uh, online delivery uh, with more than 98% delivery on time, you know, giving the customers what they want and what they need, fresh the way they buy it from the store, or the frozen products, you know, really yeah. frozen, this is also a big part of the trust that we have to work more and more. When we create jobs also in the communities, it's part of the trust. When we actually help local communities, you know, in different initiatives that we do in each and every city, in every country, we have more than 40 cities that we operate in, by the way, and we create this style with the local communities in order for us to increase the trust, you know, not also uh, forgetting the role of, you know, the government, uh, especially here in the UAE, where the private sector is being seen as a major partner to the government in driving trust going forward. Okay, from my side, Hani, I trust that you still have uh, the energy to play a little game with me. Absolutely. Okay, so this is called Hard Share Comment. When you log into TikTok and right. watch a video, there are a few things you can do with that video. Uh, some of the top three activities you can do is you can either heart it if you like it, so you click heart. Or you can share it, so you share it with someone, or you can comment on it. All right. And by the way, your Carrefour social media team has been doing an amazing job on TikTok recently. So with, uh, with lovely like uh, templates from CapCut and uh, uh, innovation happening in the space of creating their own content on our platform. I love the chicken and egg story. The chicken and the egg went <laughs> completely viral. I, uh, I was wondering if you wanted to bring it up or not. I have to say this is a bit abnormal for a traditional retailer like us. So you've seen it. I have seen it. I have liked it. 
I have hearted if you want to your uh, to, you know terms yeah. and it's very well perceived by our customers though at the time I was thinking that myself we are going greedy a little bit far yeah. but when you see the customer comments they just loved it and this is what you know TikTok about obviously your team passes the vibe check your team really gets the platform the best engagement that happens uh, when it comes to Carrefour specifically the UAE page is in the comment section we call it our digital campfire because like people like get to talk intimately in the comment section so your Carrefour team if you click on comments and you see the replies to some of the reactions to that chicken and egg video it's just a phenomenal job honestly and we would love to publish it as a case study of how, to, how to, to properly handle Happy to hear it. And thank you for the partnership with us, actually. No, it's, a, it's, our privilege, uh, it's our privilege and our pleasure. So let's play a little game together. I'm going to ask you to choose whether you want to heart, share, or comment on each one. Ready? Ready. TikTok drives relevant discovery. 81% of users say that they always discover interesting brands or products on TikTok. This is from Ipsos in 2022. Oh, I heart it. Heart. Inspirational content is the driving factor for purchase for 68% of TikTok users. This is a study by Ipsos done in the United Arab Emirates in 2023. I will definitely share this with my digital uh, team, digital marketing, digital marketing team. team. Okay, thank you, Hani. So, uh, Hani, what, what do you think is going to be next? Like autonomous drones? Do you think this is going to happen? Uh, it's happening. We are currently piloting uh, a drone here in the UAE. Okay. We're just waiting for the right legislation for us to be able to hopefully, officially, you know, launch it. I don't know, maybe 2024 or really 2025. Honestly, I don't know yet. Uh, but as we speak, uh, the team are working on that. Uh, we have done small tests here in Dubai. It's very successful. And hopefully we'll meet the first, again, grocery retailers to deliver to you by drone. Amazing. Okay, Hani, thank you so much for your patience with me. I have one final question for you. If you have a time machine and you can travel to the year 2030, what would be the first question you ask your future shopper? Oh, this is a tough question. I think the first question I would ask my future customers whether they think were relevant when we were talking about the future or it was so silly for them and this started to in 2030. Yeah, this is exactly the main question that I'm gonna That's a good hopefully ask them. And maybe by that time, I won't be the CEO of Mesopotamia Retail Carrefour, but I will be one of the consumers that hopefully will enjoy the future shopping experience. That's a good one. On that note, Tani, what do you think will be the biggest retail trend in, in hey, 20 Guys, what happened? So yeah, I'm really sorry. Like this tends to happen usually. Hey, guys, why are you taking the phones? But hey, uh, the microphone. Hey guys, but, hey, wait, thank wait. you so much. So, for hey guys, this is my microphone. No, 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 no. Wait. Okay, no, my water. No, I really, I really apologize for this. Oh my God. This is all the time we have, I guess. Thank you so much. Anyways, this was Anyways, the chief executive officer of Majin Putem Retail. See you on the next episode of Future of Retail. Thank you, Henny. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you.